Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 42 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen. I'm the director of Seven Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Max Wosley. Max is a technologist and social entrepreneur passionate about combining design and technology to solve tricky and sticky problems. He's CEO of Youth Without Borders, a platform that empowers young people to create the change they want to see in the world. Max is a passionate advocate for human-centered design, a beginner alpinist, and freelances as a designer, developer, and product manager in his spare time. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Max's story as he shares his journey from the corporate world to leading Youth Without Borders. We'll get Max's opinions on some of the biggest challenges facing young Australians, and Max will provide some useful tips and tools to help you maximize your impact. Max, thanks very much for joining us. No problem, Tom. I'm very happy to be here. Great. So to start things off, Max, could you please share a bit about your background and what it was that led you to your passion of empowering youth? Sure. Well, it's kind of a, a long story, really, to, to kind of start from the beginning. So I grew up in Byron Bay and went to high school at Byron Bay Public School and absolutely loved being involved in uh, science and maths. So I was, I, was, I was the physics and maths guy in high school. And when I was there, I um, had the opportunity to go to the National Youth Science Forum when I was in year 11. Nice. And that was um, really a, a transformational experience for me because coming from, you know, the, the laid-back beach town of Byron Bay and all of a sudden being, being amongst a massive group of like-minded, mm. passionate and creative and curious people showed me kind of the potential of, of where I could, could go with what I enjoyed doing. And so that really set me on the path to going to university and studying electrical engineering at the University of Queensland. And it was there that I came across this camp uh, run by a friend of mine that I met at the National Science Forum. Yeah. Um, this camp was called Spark Engineering Camp. And, uh, and he absolutely roped me in to, to get involved. And the, the premise of this camp was to basically provide very similar um, access to the university experience and feeling a part of that larger group and meeting other like-minded people mm. for young people in high school who, who face barriers and might not have all the things that you, that you need to be able to get to a place like NYSF, which, which can cost a, a bit of money. Yeah. So this program would provide that entirely for free. So I went along on that as a, as a staffie and had an absolutely incredible time. The creativity and passion and um, motivation of the people who were who were on this camp and um, the fact that we were opening doors for them that they didn't even know existed mm -hmm. was absolutely incredible. And now, you know, fast forward 
I think it's seven years forward, a lot of them are graduating from university and going into jobs and getting back in touch and giving us, you know, and, and telling us how much of a transformational effect Spark had on, on them mm. in the exact same way that this other camp had on me when yeah. I was in high school, which is excellent. Very rewarding. Absolutely. So after that, I got involved in the management of, the, of that camp in Brisbane. And then after that, we, we grew and expanded, expanded it to Melbourne. And then I was the, the national manager across uh, Brisbane and Melbourne after a year, which, which was excellent. And so that kind of required, and we had a team of 150 volunteers between the, between the two cities and wow. um, a lot of logistical coordination and people management and all that kind of thing. Meanwhile, throughout all this, I'm working on my engineering degree. And so I kind of got to the end of it and realised that while I loved engineering and it was, a, and it was great fun, I, re, I much more enjoyed the, the people side of it and the figuring out how to solve problems in a holistic way. And so I took advice from a speaker that I'd met at the Impact Social Enterprise Conference. And I, at that time, I, I was really unsure of what I wanted to do. I, my options were, do I go into the corporate world and get a job? I had an opportunity um, to go into management consulting, but I really wanted to get involved in the social enterprise world and the startup world straight from the get-go. And his advice was to go into the corporate world first and learn those skills that you need to learn to navigate the, the corporate environment and then come back. So I took his advice and went to work and I worked at one of the big four firms in consulting for two years had an incredible time and learned more than I could ever, ever imagine. And so I'm incredibly grateful for this advice that I got because it set me up to do what I then did after that, which was the the role of, so I'd, I'd been on the board of YWB for the previous two years yeah. once I was in my corporate role and the role of the CEO job came up. And so I decided to take that. And so I left my, my corporate job and did the classic millennial move of following my passion and mm. and leaving the strong, stable and secure job to, to work at a not-for-profit. And it's lived up to all of the cliches of being the most rewarding but the most difficult time mm. of, of, of your life. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it has. So can you please share a bit more about the work and projects that you're undertaking at Youth Without Borders to empower the younger generations? Yep. So Youth Without Borders as a whole is kind of like a, a portfolio project organisation. Our major project is the Spark Engineering Camp, which I've already um, spoken about already. And we have two other um, kind of major projects in that. We have a, a big strength in that leadership style camp to help people who, fa who face barriers in, in life and growing up and mm -hmm. trying to equalise that playing field. So. We have an, uh, um, our next biggest project is called Stride, and so that's a, a weekend leadership camp for recently arrived uh, women refugees, mm -hmm. and that has a, a similar aim as Spark is increasing the network and, and connecting like-minded people who might not necessarily have met otherwise, yeah. and through that, giving them that a sense of belonging and also confidence mm -hmm. to chase after what it is that, that they're trying to do. Yeah. And that's being led by a wonderful lady called Jenny, and um, she's doing an excellent job getting forward, and I, hopefully that will be running in uh, early December. The final program is called uh, Surge. You might notice uh, the, the name consistency through. Yep. 
Um, and again, that's a leadership program for uh, the school, school leaders as part of the Enable Network that mm -hmm. operates in Logan. And finally, our, our newest program, um, which doesn't actually ha technically have a name yet, is a platform that helps young people get involved in social enterprise. So by auspicing them and mentoring them and helping them through workshops that build up their skills, we hope to enable these young people to be able to create the change that they want to see. And so what we found was uh, the biggest barrier stopping young people from getting involved in social entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship generally mm. is perceived difficulty in all the businessy side of things, yeah. particularly the accounting and the, the legal and financial aspects and all that kind of stuff, which mm. a lot of young people don't really understand and can take a while to, to get your head around. Yeah. So by removing those barriers, uh, we're hoping to basically get more people in and, and involved in social enterprise. But as a equal equally important outcome of this, it'll be getting young people involved in and learning the skills in building and or creating and designing and building a product that makes tangible impact on a person's life. And by doing that, it builds up those skills in creativity and strategic thinking and people management that you can only build in those in those kinds of roles. Mm. And so even if these projects aren't necessarily successful, we're building up the skills in these people who to succeed in the in the in the future of work where these kinds of dynamic skills are absolutely crucial for success. Very interesting, Max. You've spoken about some of the barriers that the younger people face. So what have been some of the biggest barriers that you've come up against on your journey and how did you work around them? That's a really in interesting question. I guess a lot of the opportunities that have come that have come my way throughout this, this whole journey that have, I guess, re required some pretty big decision. I mean, the, the biggest decision that I would have made along this whole journey would be um, would have been to, to leave my corporate consulting job mm. and to take over a unpaid role running a running a not-for-profit. But I guess even that wasn't an overly difficult decision given that I'm fairly young and I don't have a mortgage and I, I don't have children. And so I could see that the value from, from a personal perspective is mm. that what I would learn and by extension, the impact that I could create through doing this yeah. was absolutely worth that move. Mm. And I guess throughout that process, it, it, you know, there was difficulty. You know, uh, talking to my parents about, hey, I want to quit my quit my great job. Sounds great, son. Firm. <laughs> well, like their response was, "What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you're you're, you're quitting?" And um, so I, I guess that those were the main barriers. As a white middle class male, I don't face a lot of the barriers a lot of people around Australia do. Mm. And, you know, particularly through the work that that we've done, I don't think it would be fair for me to say that I've faced any any massive barriers be, mm. beyond those. Yeah. I mean, having said that, as an extension, I, I have found that there are some people who would question the authenticity of a lot of people who, who might want to get involved in this industry, um, you know, would give up time and, and energy and and to do a job that you're not paid for. But I think, you know, a lot of that just links back into being sure in what you're doing and 
having confidence that you're doing the right thing and, and mm. make and making an impact. Yeah. It certainly sounds like you've found your passion and, and in many ways your purpose. And I don't think that's necessarily always an easy thing. So what advice would you give to our listeners to help them align their work with their purpose? Mm. Classic millennial topic right now. It is. Another difficult question. You're, you're, you're slinging them at me. I've had a lot of discussions about this with a, with a lot of people. It's, it's funny how starting that, you know, unquit my job to, to work in a not-for-profit creates a lot of these conversations. Mm. And I think the my first response is that you don't necessarily have to. There is a lot of rhetoric now around aligning your work and your passion and your purpose and all of those things. And I think that there's a lot of cases where that can absolutely happen, and mm. in which case then absolutely do it. I mean, just like a, a lot of the work that you do, Tom, um, around impact boom and in design, and which I, fi- I find really inspiring. And to take that in a different lens, I've recently come across the concept of like the, of the the portfolio life from the perspective that there's a lot of a lot of people who have a, the focus on just the one job, and that that one job is is all you can have. Mm. But I like to challenge that. Your passion is not always monetizable. And it doesn't have to be. And in many cases um, that I've heard, you know, anecdotally, it can potentially ruin it. Because once you add in clients and money and all that kind of thing into your passion, um, it can make things quite difficult. But I would encourage anyone, if if you have a passion of some kind, I think the, the number one thing that you can do is just try and ex- experiment with different ways of how you could potentially monetize that, that passion. I mean, to go take the other view is that there's a lot of people with passions who talk about how they can monetize it, but don't necessarily just try and mm-hmm. see how that happens. Another way you could look at it is around seeing um, or taking some elements of the passion. So not necessarily everything about it, but parts of it and aligning that with, with the work that you do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that still comes back to just trying and experimenting with different things. And often you might find that you actually don't like it. Mm. And you want to try something else, which is totally fine as well. Yeah, sure. I think that's some great insights. So are there any particular tools or processes that you commonly use that have proven invaluable in helping to organize your work, complete projects, or quite simply just get stuff done? Absolutely. I feel like I, I was talking to someone recently, and uh, I feel like I use all the new fancy uh, innovation tools <laughs> like you know agile frameworks to manage how how we do things in ywb and we have kanban boards and all that kind of thing but i think the most important tool that i've learned in the past couple of years is the tool of using human-centered design and i was first um came across this on a a plus acumen course online um, which i would recommend anyone to to have a look at if if you're interested in this kind of thing and basically it teaches a, a number of frameworks and and tools and ways of thinking that centers the people that you're trying to impact on what it is that you're trying to do. And so by applying those tools onto primarily on all of our projects, um, they're all centered around that, but also in how we run the organization itself. Mm. So, you know, how do people like meeting? How do, how do we organize Youth Without Borders around all of the people that are involved how do we communicate between the different projects and that kind of thing yeah so i think that is by far the most influential tool that that i've that i've come across 
and to extend that on into other tools, um, the, the business models Inc. set of tools. So the design of better business, business model generation, the value proposition design. Um, for a lot of people who haven't come across those concepts, um, they're ab absolutely invaluable mm. in basically gathering all the evidence so that by the time that you get to release a product or a, or a service or even making design decisions around your organization, is that you know that it, that it will be successful because mm. you've taken into account there's no unknowns and, and there, there's very little risk, mm. which is excellent. I think there's some great tools there, Max. So what are the top three tips then you'd give to a high school or university student wanting to work in the social innovation sector? I think the top tip is start now. As a high school student, you have a, a fair amount of free time and if you're a high school student listening to this, I know it doesn't feel like you have lots of spare time, but you'll, you'll, you'll find out later that, it, that you do. And the only thing I can recommend is to start now. Because by starting as soon as possible, you will learn what works, what doesn't work, and all those other little skills that, that, you, that you need to get. And come and talk to me. And Youth Without Borders can help you out in our, in our sandbox platform to get, to get you started. Fantastic. So what are some inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently which are creating some really great positive social change? Where do I start on this? <laughs> Try and reduce um, it down to a few. <laughs> there's, there's so many incredible organisations that are coming out doing very, very cool stuff. Just, just thinking locally in, in Brisbane, and I feel like I want to say massive shout-outs to Brisbane community generally and the people who are helping build it out and there are some amazing things happening here locally organizations like words with heart the good beer co and uh, the spur projects and, mm. and um, spur labs so these socially minded businesses that have taken products and services that people and organizations need to use mm. and through that process of you know consumption finding ways to, to solve some of the world's most pressing issues. Mm. And to extend this, I can't, can't answer this question without mentioning looking a lot more globally is that, uh, the IDEO and the work that they do. So for anyone interested in um, human-centered design and those kinds of processes, this was ob obviously the source of those. And every time I read a case study of the kind of work that they do and the, the processes they follow and the insights they find, and then the subsequent impact that it creates just absolutely blows my mind. I think there's some really, really great examples in there. So to finish off, Max, are there any great reads that you could recommend to our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, not, not necessarily a, a book, but uh, any of the courses online at Plus Acumen are amazing. I've learned an incredible amount of them through, from all aspects of running social businesses. Um, and but their course with uh, that they run in collaboration with IDEO on the introduction to human centered design, mm. I cannot recommend enough. Other books, I'm also reading a great book by Lawrence Scott called the the four dimensional human about how uh, humanity is is taking on a, a fourth dimension across the internet and in all of our online profiles and and basically discussing how that can potentially increase and or decrease making us more human and how that depends on design and that kind of thing. Now, as I said before, when I was discussing about the tools that we use, the Business Models Inc. Uh, series, the Design a Better Business, Business Model Generation and others um, have been invaluable in all the work that we do. Fantastic. 
Well, I hope to get Ben or Michael uh, on the show in the future. There you go. But Max, I really appreciate you sharing your time with us today. Thanks very much for your generous insights and we'll look forward to touching base again in the future. No problem. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.